We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode one twenty nine of the Pod Joe So you didn't even have to ask me this time what number that I was. didn't. That's I had good. it right. Most days I, I take a guess at it. I take a stab at it. You're usually within wrong. five. Yeah, and I think I've just been saying one twenty nine for the last like three or four weeks, knowing that you know eventually you'll hit it. Yeah, you got uh, what What's the saying? A uh, even a broke clock's right twice a day. Yeah, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. There you go. Yep, all of that. Um, yeah, those things work. They do. They apply. Uh, plenty, plenty of things to get to today. It's going to be a football-centric pod, as it should be at this time of the season. Uh, we have MVP performances. We have barn burners on Monday night. We have all of that. But we're going to start things off in the college ranks, where we saw what is undoubtedly the game of the season between LSU and Bama, uh, a matchup that we might see again, a matchup that has people clamoring uh, about who the top team in the nation really is right now, the Polls claim that that is LSU, and I have no qualms with that, Matt. No, I think this is what their fourth top ten win. Or, I mean, at the time they played the opponent yes, top ten or something like that, 10, very yeah. close. So, like they were as impressive as I could have imagined they would be. Obviously, Alabama made their run in the second half, which I think we all expected they would. I don't think anybody mm-hmm. thought when it was 33-13 at halftime we heard the last from Bama, but. Uh, that was that was the game that you know every single time those two play, and it seems one of them is undefeated. They try and bill as the game of the century, game of the decade. That that one actually lived up to it, and I think when we're looking back on like the last ten years of college football, that that was the best of the LSU Bama's I think that we've seen, and, and arguably was the the game of the decade, century, whatever yeah, you want to call that it. That nine three nine six game, whatever it was, a few years back wasn't a great game, but it, it may have had more tension. This was just like yeah. free-wielding offensive football that we're not used to in this matchup or in any matchup, really. It was 90-something uh, combined points, two quarterbacks really lighten it up. It seemed like every time Burrow would put his foot on Tua's throat that Tua came back and applause to Tua for playing on the ankle that appeared to really he be banged up. clearly was not perfect there. He was, he was obviously healthy enough to play, but he was not, you could tell, totally right. Still stepping into it, still driving into his throws and uh, targeting those really, really talented receivers. But LSU in the end, um, too much for Bama. And I think that that team, that LSU team, if they play the way they do uh, against Bama, against anybody in the country, they're going to be too much for anyone. And that's not to say that they're going to score 46, 50 points against anyone in the country because I do think that when you're looking at the best defenses in the country and if Chase Young is a part of that Ohio State defense I do think Ohio State has a better chance to beat LSU than perhaps a Bama does with their current defensive makeup, Mm -hmm. but they're just going to be a tough out for anybody. We're looking at LSU as the one seed uh, until otherwise. Yeah, I mean, you've with the last however many years with LSU, even going back before Coach O, even when they won were winning national championships with Les Miles, Coach O just oh, if you don't love Coach O, just he wouldn't work everywhere. Like if USC would have promoted him from interim to head coach, I'm not sure he would have worked out at USC. His culture in Louisiana at his dream job, where he's from, it, it literally it could not be a better fit, and he's probably going to be there as long as he wants to. He's, he's Bayou royalty. And he, he's just absolutely is just eating gumbo. King of the swamp. He's he he lives in that swamp and he loves it. Um, <laughs> credit to him too, because LSU football for as long as we know it, like I, w- I was getting to earlier, they 
always seemed to have a running back. They had some talent on the outside. They, they could play defense. They never really had a quarterback. And you uh-huh. kind of thought that was the same thing last year, even with Joe Burrow. And this year he kind of remade the offense, modernized it a little bit, let them spread things out, and, and trusted his quarterback, his offensive coordinator, his, his playmakers. And this is as dynamic of an offense as I think we've ever seen from LSU. And that's because of what he's let Joe Burrow do. And mm-hmm. you want to talk Heisman moments. Um, that The drive where Bama got it to within one score and then Joe Burrow had to go down and did go down, converted on some third downs, had a couple big runs for first down, I think on second and 10. Mm-hmm. He did everything with his feet, with his legs. And that that was, for me, and probably for everybody, the, the Heisman moment of the season that I don't think we've quite seen from anyone yet. Yeah, it's kind of a cliche, uh, the the Caucasian quarterback being sneaky athletic, but Joe Burrow really is sneaky athletic. He he appears as a pocket passer, but really still has the ability um, to, to break out of the pocket, to go get that first down. And he's got, uh, in the words of, uh, of the great Mike Francesa, the guts of a burglar to do it in those moments and get it done. Um, it was really, really impressive to watch him go on the road. And we talked about it the week prior, that if there is an individual who has the makeup mentally to go into uh, Bryant-Denny and steal a win, it's, it's Joe Burrow. And uh, that's, not to, that's not to shortchange the performance by LSU running back uh, Clyde edwards Lair, who absolutely went crazy. The spin move uh, it should have been tackled three yards deep in the end zone, turns it into a touchdown. Um, I'm looking for his numbers right here. He, 20 carries, 103 yards, and three touchdowns. And that so, run on the, he would, the game. He played just as now. big of a role as Joe Burrow. He's not going to get the shine. He's not going to get the um, accolades that Burrow's going to get. I'm sure that he'll end up with all conference and all mm-hmm. those things. But he, he's not in the Heisman conversation. So the win will get put on Burrow. Uh, Elair had just as big a, of an impact on that yeah. game as well. The run that you know Alabama missed, I think they went for the onside kick after making 46-41. LSU still had to pick up a first down to clinch it. And I forget if it was a swing pass out to him or if they got him to run on, on a run to the outside. Mm-hmm. But he, it was one of the toughest runs down the sideline to stay in, shed, shed a couple Alabama tacklers and pick up the first down. And Like you said, that, that team had the mindset and the mentality that not many have of being able to go into Tuscaloosa and win. And honestly, it starts with their head coach. Um, this was the, I forgot which it was one of their defensive backs was talking before. Like, yeah, you know, in the past, we've always known we were talented, but I'm not always sure that there was the belief that we could beat Alabama this year. Mm -hmm. We have that. We actually believe and know that if we play our game, we can go in and beat Alabama. And that starts, that starts with the head coach setting that, you know, setting that mindset, setting that precedent that he, he wouldn't tell you, you couldn't do it. He wouldn't tell you, be the guy saying we control, we can, what we, we control our destiny in this game. And I think that's kind of the message he started giving those guys, and obviously they buy into it. And it really it, it felt personal. I mean, the emotions that poured out of Coach O post game in that awesome interview, mm-hmm. and then even in that the locker room uh, locker room speech Which, that way, he guys, was giving. I know that's awesome. I know it went viral. Let's stop videotaping in the locker room. Come on. Yeah. Um, put put the phones up until Coach is done talking. Let's not have an Antonio Brown situation right here. You don't want to lose a scholarship, mm-hmm. but uh, a a a moment that. Uh, we were privy to that we shouldn't have been privy to. That happens in a lot of locker rooms. That mm-hmm. Coaches are screaming and yelling about the opposition when they yeah. think that they're only um, amongst their team. Um, not to dive too far into that one, but it was cool to see um, a coach in almost a player's skin in that moment. These coaches, and especially Sabins, and in the past, Urban Meyer, or so buttoned up, t- and looking they don't at Lincoln Riley, they, they stay so buttoned up. They're running off the field. You get a couple seconds with them, two questions. You get the stock answer. 
Um, sometimes in, you know, the, the availability during the week, Saban will get a little rowdy if someone asks him a stupid question, but this was like unadultered on just, just pure, very purely coach. Oh, it's who he is. Coach O emotion from the final tick off that clock to the moments that ensued after. And it was really cool to see. I mean, you said it was like a locker, like sometimes coaches take on after a big win like that against a rival, you know, the player's mentality. I feel like coach O just kind of always has the player's mentality. Like I I think if you asked him right now, if he had any eligibility left, he'd tell you he can put on some shoulder pads and, and go give you a couple snaps at D-tackle. Well, he's looking chesty out there. I would he, not argue with oh, him. In his def- <laughs> not to, This isn't a shot at him, but Coach O, I'm not going to say those are extra medium shirts because I don't think he, the man wears a medium, but he's probably wearing a large when he should be wearing an X-large because I, I think he likes the body. I think he likes the figure. Which say is it to his face, punk. I would never because he, <laughs> you know, he'd probably laugh and agree with me, but there's a chance that he'd just take me out, and I'm, I'm afraid of the guy. Oh, Lord. All right, Matt. Well, we could wax poetic about the uh, the Bayou King for, for hours here. But I mean, let's take a look at the actual top 10 right now okay, of the college football ranking. I got a question ranking. for you regarding the top 10 and okay. the, the playoff. Oh, the playoff rankings come out tonight, right? They playoff, rankings come out, uh, playoff rankings come out tonight. It should be pretty congruent with the AP and ESPN polls. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're looking at LSU at one, Ohio State at two, Clemson at three, Alabama at four, Georgia at five, Oregon at six, Minnesota undefeated at seven, Utah at eight, Penn State at nine after soiling their trowel against Minnesota, and Oklahoma rounding out. Give the top some 10 credit to where right it's due now. to PJ Fleck. Totally, totally give Minnesota credit. I watched that entire game. It was it was both a product of their productivity offensively and mm-hmm. capitalizing on Penn State mistakes, but I don't think that they win that game if Penn State plays a cleaner football game. There were a lot of questionable calls on third down. It was another one where James, they Franklin, a couple breaks. James Franklin against undefeated opponents has never been a winning formula um, in the past, and it continues to be that regardless of the size and luster of said program, this being Minnesota, a little less, uh, I guess, a little less glitz and glamour than an Ohio State, but uh, we're digressing once again here. Matt, when we look at that top four, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, uh, or excuse me, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, LSU up at the top. Do you have a problem with that? I think that's the only way it really can be right now. I would not mind seeing Alabama drop out of the top four, knowing that they're going to get back in if they win out. Yeah, I I don't think they should be in it right now and quite honestly I don't think they should control their own destiny simply because I, mean, I know the SEC is tough and it is but they just don't really have many big wins against many you know that great of teams whereas I think a team like Oregon who controls their own destiny I know they they have the same amount of ranked wins uh, as, as Alabama does but their loss again that tough one to Auburn they also have the uh the likely Pac-12 championship game where they're going to get a chance to beat probably a top 10, top 15 team in Utah. For me, mm-hmm. I think that should be the number four team in the country right now. I don't think Al- – I, I think given their resumes, that's where I'd have it. But if you have Alabama 4, Oregon so 5, Georgia you, – some combination of Alabama, Oregon, Georgia, I think is your 4, 5, 6. You'd have – see, Top three to is me, perfect right- for me. I think Clemson did a lot. I think Clemson looked very good, and they had to come out and make a statement on the road against an okay team in NC State, but they dominated. I agree. They should I jump mean, into it with the loss. Not that Maryland's a great win, but they had a little bit of press this year, and Ohio State just completely embarrassed yeah. them. I think what did they score, 74 points? I think it was 73, like 14, something like that. Yeah. I, I want to say Ohio State's the best team in the nation comprehensively right now. You can't put them there because of what LSU just did last week, beating Alabama. What LSU's did, done all season for the 
first time. Yes, but for the first time in 32 tries, just this week-to-week um, summation of talents and records yeah. and all the things that come into it. LSU at one, Ohio State at two, Clemson at three. P.J. Fleck and his team could make an argument that would be a huge jump um, up from 13. I'm interested uh, to see what the committee does with them because that is— I Put mean, them at five because they're undefeated. Talk about someone who controls their own destiny. They would have to beat Ohio State mm-hmm. in a Big Ten championship game. And if that happens, undefeated at 11-0, you, there's no doubt that they're in the college football playoff. So same situation as Alabama, just outside looking in, inside looking out, still kind of control our own destiny. Where if Alabama wins out at, that puts them at what, 11-1? and 11-1. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't they're think in. Alabama controls their own destiny. Because if LSU runs the table, they go to the conference championship, right? Yes. Obviously. If Georgia runs the table, Georgia goes to the conference championship, right? Yeah. Yes. If Georgia but Georgia, beats play, LSU, but if Georgia, Georgia plays, who does Alabama still play? Georgia? I don't no. think. Alabama's le- uh, last tough game, I'll, I'll pull up their schedule now here. I they have Mississippi State. Auburn's uh, their last, Auburn, game. last game of the season. So yeah, if I guess Georgia, they don't. If Georgia they don't. Go, so if, if those it's, two win if it's out, Georgia, yeah. LSU, and Georgia wins you know, a back-and-forth 31 28 27 24 SEC championship game on a walk off field goal. Mm-hmm. LSU's still ahead of Alabama and Georgia. And, and SEC and champion Georgia's going to the playoffs. So, no, they're, they're not going to put three SEC teams in there. There don't need to be two SEC teams in, even. If that game comes down to it and Georgia loses to LSU and it's not a close game, and uh, then you're looking at. Then I agree. Al- yeah. Then you're looking at a pool of Alabama, Oregon, possibly Minnesota, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, looking, looking at. I, I think Oklahoma at ten is not yet out of the question. Um, if they, they need some help, but no, they can. Big they, Twelve. It's good. And, and they Baylor would be a Baylor. big win this week. Baylor would be a big win this week. Oklahoma State's a top twenty-five team. Their last game of the season. I mean, those would be two resume boosters. It gets really murky for that fourth spot there between uh, the likes of an Alabama, a Georgia a Oregon, a Minnesota, mm-hmm. a Utah, depending Utah. on what happens in that Oregon-Utah conference championship game. And I know it's probably not going to happen. I'm not expecting it at all. But I don't think you can count out Baylor at this point either. If they beat yeah. Oka- they might get a chance, get two cracks at Oklahoma. And mm-hmm. if somehow they come out of both of those winning with the, the matchup this week and then a Big 12 championship win, undefeated Baylor, Big 12 champion, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, undefeated Baylor, kind of same situation same Minnesota. as undefeated Minnesota. The only, chance, the go, only thing is you got to go knock have, somebody off, maybe yeah, twice. Definitely and, uh, twice. That's your ticket in. Um, but it would be it would be interesting to see Alabama on the outside looking in. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they reacted to that kind of pressure. I'm sure they'll react in a dominant fashion, uh, as Nick Saban teams often do. But what what's your feeling here? Do you think strictly off past resume? Alabama deserves to have the benefit of the doubt right now. I, I hate that argument. Like uh-huh. I know that in the past they've been good. Like in the past, like you do have Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, even Georgia to an extent have kind of built up that benefit of the doubt. But in a year where I mean, we're saying this now in week what what is this week eleven, week twelve? We still got a few weeks left to go. Where mm-hmm. there's so many teams clustered in the middle, you know, they would do they have the benefit of the doubt or not? Things are going to take care of themselves, and honestly, there's probably not going to be much of a debate when it really comes down to it at the end of the season after the SEC championship. Like it usually does, there's probably going to be four pretty clear-cut teams that we think are going to be in it, with the exception of maybe one. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see how they go into to Auburn and play Auburn at the in the Iron Bowl. If they go, 
if they're you know if, if Auburn comes in seven and two and they have a win over Georgia, which I believe they play this week, maybe next week, coming up soon, and Alabama goes into um, goes into Auburn and blows the doors off Auburn, a pretty good Auburn team in the Iron Bowl, yeah, then they probably earn that. But if they go in and you know steal one, I, I'm not sure they're they should be a lock for for the last playoff spot because of what they've done in the past. I think you have to do yeah, the best. I, I, Maybe early on in rankings, they they deserve benefits of the doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, the benefit of the doubt. But as the season goes on, we should see clearly, you know, clearly and clearly who the better teams are. And once we've seen all of these guys play, I think their sample size should speak for the self, themselves at the end of the year. Whereas maybe early on, yeah, Alabama's going to start at number three because yeah, they, you know, they're seven and zero. They haven't played anybody, but we know who they are or who they have been but towards the Simply, end of the year. Go on resume from this season, if that makes sense. The, the simple fact that. There was mutterings of fire Saban after this game oh, by some God. of the Alabama faithful. He can come to Notre Dame if he wants. We'll, we'll trade. Can, Nick Saban for Brian go, Kelly, straight up. He Who can says go no? wherever he wants. Who says no? Uh, but the stupidity behind uh, saying something like that about arguably the greatest it's, coach in the history of college football, that in itself should keep you out of the top four, in my opinion. Hey, Powell, as, as Coach Saban base. can't win the big one. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, uh, that's that's uh, that's been a little bit of college talk. I know we haven't gotten to it a ton. We this love season We do love because football, though. It's because so of how good the NFL has been, and it continues to be the best product on television, mm. in my opinion. Mm. Uh, Matt, let's talk a little Bears. It's not as painful this week. It was no. not a. It was not a great effort. It did not feel like a win. It did not feel like a season-altering uh, game because. Frankly, you beat a Lions team that didn't have their quarterback, who is their motor, who mm-hmm. makes that team go. Now, uh, the backup, um, Jeff, Driscoll. Out, Jeff Driscoll, had a, had an impressive game for coming in on a spot start like that. Mm-hmm. But it was, once again, uh, the lack of a, an ability to finish in the fourth quarter, uh, letting a team hang around. It was sloppy play. Uh, Mitch did hit a couple throws there, deep out to Taylor Gabriel is what you want to see out of him, but... I'm just getting a uh, I'm just getting a weird vibe from this team that they're going to be heartbreakers and that they're going to hang around a game under 500 all season and they're going to keep part of the fan base engaged and it's going to be unfortunate because there's no path to the playoffs right now. Yeah, um, I mean, and I, under- and I understand. Tough. And I understand the idea of tanking or losing out or something like that is inva- it's not valuable at this point no, because we pick. don't have picks. Um, but just where they're at right now, it really feels like football purgatory to me. Yeah, um, I'm hoping. I guess this is my hope that this. Sometimes, you know, when when you're whether you're not putting well or you're not shooting well, once you see one go in, you kind of get your you get your mojo back, get your swagger back a little bit. My I wrote them off though. Let me write them off. That's fair. I'm not saying this is going to happen. This is, I guess, my last hope that you know they were struggling, they were losing games every which way. They're finding new ways. They're coming close. Whatever. My hope is they saw one go in, and I, whether or not you liked that they brought Club Dub back after what's been a weird season, they they got to I celebrate a little bit. Well, no, I don't, I don't really care. Some people on Twitter were mad online because you guys aren't good and have whatever. Um, my hope is they got a little bit of that swagger back, got, got a little bit of the, all right, you know, guys, we saw one go in. We are, that, we are a pretty decent football team, and I know Detroit didn't play with Matthew Stafford, um, but they have been a team all year that while they're th- what three, five and one now, they've played some really close games with some really good football teams and they're not a joke of a football team. Um, I don't know. That's, that's me holding out hope. I think that my, my gut says no, because I don't think Danny Trevathan's going to be back for a little while. That arm injury looked pretty gruesome. Um, I don't think we see Danny. I think, 
I think you see an IR designation probably the next three and days. Hats off to Nick Kwiatkowski who came in and filled in really well, but I still think that's you know I think he's a little bit easier of a linebacker to game plan against. I think he's a really good you know third middle linebacker to come in play some time, you know be a spot starter kind of guy. But I'm not sure him starting week you know on a weekly basis is going to pay off all that well. Um, I, I will give hats off though, and I, you you said Mitch made some nice throws. I thought Mitch played arguably his – I mean, I don't know if it's arguable. It was his best game of the year. I thought he made mm-hmm. one bad throw. That was a low was, bar, I, but yes. It, it's a low bar, but he made one bad throw. Um, uh, it was, I think it might have been the first drive of the game where he had – it might have been Gabriel or Miller for what would have been a catch-and-run first down most likely. He overthrew it. From there on out, he was looked comfortable in the pocket. They ran a few more things for him to get out of the pocket, which is obviously where he's more comfortable I thought he felt the rush really well and was able to escape pressure from, while it's not a great defense, the Lions do have a pretty decent pass rush. And I, I thought he made some really good throws that at some point, like early in the first half, he had Taylor Gabriel open, hit him on what looked it was like an 18-yard crossing route, hit him right in the middle of the chest, and Gabriel just dropped it, which would have been a first down. I thought he played pretty well and made some really nice throws. So I'm out on him still as the long-term answer, but I do think it's fair to give credit where it's due that he played a pretty darn good football game on Sunday and that the offensive issues were not on him. It was the offensive line playing absolutely terrible. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And my only issue is, and you mentioned the um, maybe the reignition of a little bit of swagger around that team. Swagger is one thing, belief is another. And you can have swagger, but if you don't have belief, you're not going anywhere. I, I, I'm still hesitant to say that this team believes in their quarterback and believes in their head coach. We'll find out I, Sunday. I, I, I think that they believe in their head coach a little bit more than their quarterback still. Um, I think they're all rooting for their quarterback. But if there's, if there's detractors within the locker room, it's cliche, but that's, that's cancerous. That's, yeah. that, that grows conversations are had under cloak and dagger mm-hmm. teams start going two different directions. That's what I felt like over this four or five was a five game losing streak Four is that you had splits in the locker room. You had guys who didn't believe. I don't think one win heals all of those wounds. It probably um, doesn't. I think you're you st- probably right. If you stack a few, if you go out in prime time, put a good effort forth against the reigning NFC champion champion, uh, LA Rams who, are admittedly down and almost out themselves. Um, it, the path to the playoffs looking just as bleak for them at mm-hmm. five and four. They're in a division with, we just saw two of the best teams in the league go at it last night and Monday night. They're not going to win that division. You got eight and one San Francisco and seven and two uh, Seattle out in front of you. Mm-hmm. They're vying for that wild card spot, but it, it, it's still a good test. So if you start to build these things and you start to stack some wins, against it goes what la back to uh they, they, got, LA, they got la la and new york giants and detroit, at home you win this one giants at home you win this one all of a sudden you're in a position where i mean you're still the playoff outlook still looks fairly bleak but you're in a position where you're getting closer to controlling your own destiny yeah. because you'd like to think giants and lions are two games that you can and should win again um, especially Matthew Stafford has broken bones in his back. So who knows what his situation is going to be like for the rest of the year. Um, regardless of what happens, sorry, I was just, no, regardless of what happens against the Rams, Giants and Lions, I think that the future of this franchise and the future of Matt Nagy as our head coach and the future of Mitch Trubisky as our quarterback 
will be decided in the final four weeks of the season. If yeah. you get blown out against the Cowboys, if you get blown out at the Packers, mm-hmm. if you get blown out against the Chiefs at home, and then you finish the season getting blown out on the road against the Vikings, you can blow the thing up. And those are, in my mind right now, with the momentum that the team doesn't have, that's possible to go lose 30 to 10 four straight weeks to end the season. And in that I, I don't case, disagree with you. And in that case, changes need to be made. Now, if they go out there and Mitch over the next few weeks comes into his own and keeps his team in the ball game against the Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, and Vikings, and even steals two of four of those, he's going to earn himself another year, which I hate. Well, he's going um, to be back next year. Like, he will be on the roster next year. Yes, he'll be on the roster, but will Nick Foles or Teddy yeah, Bridgewater or the guys we talk yeah. about also be on the roster? And will we come into the camp saying, hey, Mitch, you're the backup unless you prove otherwise, mm-hmm. um, which I, I don't know. I, I, my point is I think that there's going to be a lot of franchise-altering decisions and executions made over the next six weeks um, that, that are really going to tell us a lot about the future of this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said it best, I think, when you talked about that stretch of four games because, yes, the playoffs do look bleak at this point, and if, you, if they somehow are able to reel off you know, three more in a row here, which is very doable and get themselves to seven and five, Two of the four probably doesn't, you know, finishing up nine and seven probably doesn't get you into the playoffs, mm-hmm. especially, you know, having that loss to the Eagles doesn't, you know, a team that you're probably going to be directly competing with. Um, but I, it, it's going to be a matter of how they look in that final four stretch. It, it, there's no, I mean, there is shame in losing any NFL football game, but if you go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and, you know, fall short in 27, 24 type losses, there's, there's different ways to lose. And if they do go, go get blown out, it, in all four of those games, three of the four don't look impressive. The offense seems like it's taking a step back. I absolutely think you're right. I think then at some point there's have, have to be some big changes made at Hallis Hall. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Mitch does Sunday night, though. I know that's probably cliche to say, but mm-hmm. he seems like he gained some confidence back th- this week. He, he The way he was acting on the sidelines, the way he felt the pocket, I, I thought, the way he was stepping into throws a little bit more, he looked a little bit more confident on the field. And he has a chance if if his head coach helps him out with some play calling to go out and make a statement on Sunday night, not for the long-term future, not for, you know, to guarantee him anything, but to keep himself, I guess, mentally progressing. And honestly, to win back some players on that, in that roster, not again, think that he's the guy that's going to be the long-term answer at quarterback, but maybe think that they have a chance at the playoffs if the defense returns to what they were last year or something close to it. Matt, before we move on to a little bit of uh, NFL whip around, I have a very, very important question that I'm sure. not sure you have the answer to. I have all the answers. Why is the highest paid defensive player in the history of the league unable to get to the quarterback? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't have the answer to that one. Um, first off, they're it's dropping been, off into coverage a lot more, a lot less, a lot more okay. than I like. I don't understand. I, I saw a statistic. I saw a statistic. Or it seems he, like it. I could be wrong if the, if the numbers say that I'm wrong. I'm wrong. But it just seems like it. Go I ahead. don't know how many times he dropped into coverage, but against the Lions... There were 46 drop-back opportunities. They threw the ball 46 times. Mm-hmm. Out of those 46 times, Mac had a one-on-one opportunity nine times. Now, they're doubling him. They're chipping him. They're coming at him with different looks. But the Khalil Mac I know, the Khalil Mac that we leverage the future on, mm-hmm. doesn't give a damn about double teams. He splits double teams. He takes on two so his other teammates can get there. His mm-hmm. other teammates aren't getting there right now either. Um Nine one-on-one opportunities is a ton of one-on-one opportunities for, for Khalil Mack. Mack. From a ratio standpoint, nine of 46, obviously 
not that often. But when you get those nine one-on-one opportunities, the fact that you don't get home at least twice is problematic. I, I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know what's happening. But what what I was watching on Sunday and keying on was when the play went the other way, when it was run opposite side of Mac mm-hmm. and his effort to pursue the ball sideline to sideline is not the same as it was. Yeah, That's what bothers me. Maybe you're going to get chipped. Maybe you're going to get doubled. Maybe you're not going to be able to get home on some pass plays, but effort sideline to sideline needs to be consistent. All 11 guys on the field, especially the guy who's making money out of his ears, who is kind of the heartbeat of that defense, who is supposed to set the tone for the franchise defensively on a team where the identity is defense and not offense. It's super problematic, and I'd say just as big of, as a problem as Mitch's no, is on the offensive side of the ball. I agree with you, and I was watching the game with uh, with Mike and, and my cousin Brian and my cousin Reed, and honestly, we had kind of that same conversation. You just said, there, there's not much more I can add. Or uh, you started as a question, then you answered the question. Um, <laughs> Sorry. There, they, no, no, it's, it's fine, because I think you said it quite perfectly. There, there's something off about Khalil Mack here. I don't think it's an injury, because it was an injury. <laughs> They showed last year if he's hurt, where they're not afraid to say, you know, for the long term yeah. benefit, let's get you out for a couple of weeks, be safe. I don't think it's hurt. I think part of it is, unfortunately, just the attitude isn't quite there right now because the whole team seems to be a little bit deflated. That entire defense seems to have lost a little bit of its swagger for some reason. It's not the same group that we saw, you know, week one against Green Bay, you know, week whatever it was against Minnesota. It's just not. Part of that is is Akeem Hicks being out, but that shouldn't affect yeah, the little match. Tone center in the middle. Um, you're, un- you're unable to throw as much uh, protection outside when you have that sort of game breaker on the inside. But, but is the drop off that great? No, it should. Guys that have no, Nick, in? Nick Williams leads the Bears this year with six. I know Nick Williams. I'm not trying to say Nick Williams he's is Akeem a Hicks because he's not. Akeem but Hicks he's getting a push. Is a top three defensive tackle in the NFL, in my opinion. But Nick Nick Williams has six sacks this year. He's getting a push. Like you said, Eddie Goldman controls the middle as a nose tackle as well as any nose tackle does in the NFL. I mean, Roy Robertson Harris had a nice start to the year. He's a, a very capable guy in the middle there. It's okay. it's a little bit... It, Not to downplay Akeem Hicks, but it's a dude who two teams let walk. You know, yeah. it's He's had a renaissance in his career, and he's fit perfectly into this defense, but... His loss shouldn't affect Khalil Mack this way. Khalil Mack's success in Oakland was never predicated on his nose tackle. No. Uh, and um, quite honestly, I mean, we... He looked a little bit better this week, but Leonard Floyd is another guy too. Who it, he man, he shows flashes sometimes of being so talented, so skilled, being able to get to the quarterback, and then there's just series where he's it's it's you don't even notice he's on the field, like it's just kind of half-assing it. Whereas you know you said how many times you know nine out of forty-six Khalil Mack had one-on-ones. I'd love to see how many times Leonard Floyd had one-on-ones because Khalil Mack's getting doubled and chipped so often. He's got how? to start taking advantage of that because he has the talent. We've seen it before. It's just got to be an every time thing. Do we know how many weeks off we are from a Hicks return? It's got to be. Uh, it's green. It would be Green Bay. I think it was when he's eligible gotcha. to come back. So it's it's not for a while. But it, I mean, if they're able to get to the point where they're a seven and five football team, and then all of a sudden here comes Akeem Hicks back a little bit, that, that's that helps. That's that would be a big boost. Obviously, well, Matt, I'm gonna. Means. I'm going to let you uh, hold out hope for both of us because I can't do it. Oh, I don't. If, if, if I am a betting man and if there was a bet available, then I'd, I'd probably... <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to say if I was a betting man. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, I caught myself there. Um, if I had, if there was a bet to make on whether or not the Bears would make the playoffs, I would not be betting that the Bears are making the playoffs. I'm just trying to present both options. Obviously, we know the path for them not making the playoffs. I've tried to give you the path and the recipe for, for it to happen. 
Is that fair? We're calling it down the middle. We're giving you both sides of the argument. That's what we do it's here on the Runes Podcast. It's fair. Unbiased analysis. Unless the best. it's one of our teams. Yeah, let's uh, Matt, let's get to an NFL whip around. Why don't you hit a little music and uh, let's take a look at what happened in the week that was in the NFL. We're going to start and end in the Bay. How about that? We are. How about that? Just just poetry. These things write themselves. They do. Chargers and Raiders on Thursday night. The Raiders steal a 26-24 to win. Josh Jacobs scores on a last, not last second, I believe it was about like a minute some change left, the 18-yard run. Uh, what impressed me most about that game was Derek Carr orchestrating another game-winning comeback in the fourth quarter, I believe the 18th of his career. For all the flack that we give Derek Carr for his shortcomings, it's been a really, really productive year for him with not that many tools around him outside of Josh Jacobs, a guy who's a shoe-in for the Rookie of the Year offensively. Um, Jacobs on that final drive wasn't in for the entire drive because usually when they're in that those passing downs, uh-huh. uh, Washington comes in. And he was in the entire drive, the entire drive. They hit the, they hit a timeout with a minute and some change left. Jacobs comes in, his first touch of the final drive, takes it in for six. The kid's got a finisher's mentality. It's a fantastic ball player. I got to be honest with you, I, my eyes were glued on the Blackhawks game this night, so I did not watch a ton of this game. But uh, I think I'm just going to keep for it. I'm going to keep, I, I do take your word for it. Were you there or were you just watching I just watched that okay. one. That was, I was in studio for that. That's a that's another example for me from what I've read from the game, from what you're kind of telling me, is just John Gruden is a – we say this every week now. John Gruden's a darn good football coach, and he's taking a team with a good, I'm, not great quarterback, a very good running back, and not a lot else, and turning them into a playoff contender. I am taking up the mantle of John Gruden as coach of the year. I am – I'll be the first to say it. I'll probably be the last to say it. John Gruden should be in the coach of the year conversation, 100%. especially if this team sneaks into the playoffs because they won this week. Kansas City lost. Indianapolis lost. Not to say that they're going to overtake Kansas City for the division, but Indianapolis, Tennessee, all those teams fine for uh, the wild card spot. The Raiders look like the most dangerous team amongst that group right now. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see if they could sneak in and give their fan base a playoff berth in their final season. And that's going to be a great thing. For, for me, I think it's pretty easy. I think there's three guys you can give coach of the year to right now. Obviously, the season doesn't end today. But two of them are in the Bay with John Gruden and Kyle Shanahan, and then yep. the other for me has got to be uh, John John Harbaugh. Yeah, I was I always mix up John and Jim. John, John Harbaugh, Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, definitely up there. Our football team around. He is the egoless Pits- head coach. Pittsburgh and, is sneakily one, I think, four or five straight. Pittsburgh's hanging uh, there. People are talking about Tomlin in that mm-hmm. conversation. Um, sure, as shit isn't Matt Nagy, which brings us no. to our first Sunday game: Lions and Bears. The Lions happened. win twenty to seventeen. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. Oh, can I say one more thing about this game? game. Before I don't on? know. Yeah, go ahead. I, I know, like, <coughs> we need to stop trying to run inside zone out of the shotgun because it's just really not going. working. No, what, like, I'm not saying do it all the time, but we need to run out of the eye more and go and play off play yeah. action. David Montgomery runs the ball so well and so hard, and he runs his best when he's kind of given that. His best this year has been out of the eye formation, has been following his blockers, cutting up the hole. And I just I think the line blocks better. I think he runs better. And quite honestly, you can help out your quarterback by establishing the run out of that and then having some play action. Because if you're in the eye, they're going to load up the box, and that's going to open things up for your receivers off the play action. Too smart for his own good sometimes. Ravens and Bengals. Ravens win 49-13. Uh, Lamar Jackson 
stating his claim as the most valuable player in the NFL right now. It's going to be a great race between himself, Christian McCaffrey, running backs never win it, and uh, Russell Wilson right now. That's that's the top three, but an amazing spin move that'll be. We talked about Joe Burrow's Heisman moment. Uh, that spin move will be on every mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson reel for the rest of his life. An amazing run. 223 yards through the air, three touchdowns, 15 to 17 plus 100 plus yards on the ground he is the complete package he is nothing like we've seen before because he doesn't take hits he stays clean he gets to the sideline he gets down he's He's, a smart runner he's rg3 with his wits about him plus a better arm and probably a harder guy to tackle he's Mm -hmm. he's special and, and it's a lot of fun to watch right now I just uh, uh, shout out. I don't believe he listens to the podcast. Ryan McGuffey, who we I, I work with over at NBC, you worked with before. He and I are in a, mm-hmm. a super contest uh, throughout like some Chicago sports media people. He got invited, asked me if I wanted to go, you know, split it with him, which I did. We were, we were making our picks this week, and I said I love the Ravens minus ten at Cincinnati, and he said I don't know, man. The Sharps are on Cincinnati, so he refused <laughs> to make the pick. And how about those Sharps, huh, guys? How about those Sharps, man? Um, they well, know don't what look talking now about. either. But Tua Tagovailoa looking at a one-way ticket to Cincinnati. Tiger-striped helmet. Thoughts and prayers. Bills and Browns, 19-16. to The Browns in a similar get-right fashion as the Bears get one away from the Browns on a missed field goal, missed last-second field goal by by the Bills. Uh, I thought that was in. I thought it was in when he kicked it. Felt like some demons may have been exercised there, not to say that they're going to make some sort of big push. But uh, I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. I root for the kid. It's tough to see him struggling because he doesn't have, they don't have a coach. I mean, Freddie Kitchens, we could sit here every week and talk about Freddie Kitchens, but he didn't have a coach last year. He doesn't have a coach this year. It's another situation where I think we're going to see a quarterback talent uh, fizzle because of the situation he's in. I mean, we talked about it last week, too. I mean, they have a coordinator as their head coach, and I think last year, after Hugh Jackson was fired, they had their best situation, Greg Williams being the head coach and kind of overseeing things, being a little bit of a hard-ass, and then they had his friend, Freddie Kitchens, be the OC, and I think that was their situation. I think they messed it up by going the way they did. Um, But, yeah, they needed this one. They they still have a tough road ahead. They got two with the Steelers in the next three weeks and a sneaky, now competent Dolphins team. Your Browns... The, my Dolphins. Your the Dolphins. Browns are so unspeakably bad in the red zone. It's hilarious. They, they got stopped on a goal line stand six times. They got a penalty on third down and got stopped on another goal line stand. It was a three and three and had to kick a field goal. It was or it was a, th- a seven, excuse me, seven. They went for it on fourth and didn't get it. It was fantastic. unbelievable. Chiefs and Titans. The Titans shot the Chiefs 35 to 32 behind one of those unspeakable Derrick Henry days, 23 carries, 188 yards, two touchdowns, and one long one that didn't seal it, but really created some space in the fourth quarter. Uh, Just an impressive win by the Titans, who, as I mentioned, are still wildcard hopefuls. People forget about the third phase of the football football game, Joe, special teams, and that's, that's... That's what cost the Chiefs this one. I believe it was they had two kicks in the final four minutes, and neither of them got past the line of scrimmage. Uh, one was a bad snap, and then one was blocked. Whether or not the guy was offsides, it was close enough, or it wasn't worth you know the flag. Can't have that. Josh Kalu. One, one of those University two field goal goals. Oh, congratulations. One of those two field goals goes, goes in. You're at least tied going to overtime. Um, can't forget about special teams, Joe. And that is my my PSA for the weekend, all you football fans. Josh Galou, good kid. Nebraska was offsides. And Falcons that, and Saints. That was talking Cornhuskers. <laughs> Falcons, excuse me. 
Falcons 26. I kind of miss our Nebraska nine. minutes that we used to. It was usually it was like Matt's hockey I minute. We had like a Joe's Nebraska there. minute. That's true. That was <laughs> Falcons and Saints 26 to 9. A just a head what scratcher. The, the head happened? scratcher of the week. Uh, it was seven and one versus one and seven. One and seven took the cake here. Matt Ryan, who we thought might be shelved for the season because why not? Uh, throws for 182 yards and two touchdowns and in a big upset. The Saints offense sputtering, unable to get anything going to either of their backs. They can't run the football. They weren't passing it outside of Michael Thomas and his 13 receptions, 152 yards. Also, the leading receiver in the NFL, the first to break a thousand yards this season and the only with a thousand plus right now. So to all those detractors who said I should have taken DeAndre Hopkins instead of Michael Thomas in my fantasy league, screwy on you. Um, this you were going to say suck it, weren't you? This is getting personal, so uh, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, thanks for bringing up your fantasy team for the second straight week. That was great. Um, Joe's Fantasy Minute. Yeah, so the Falcons found out that just when they're in trouble or when they need to get some yards, just putting <coughs> Julio Jones and throwing it in his, in his direction isn't a bad idea. And that's what they learned this week. Never a bad bet. Uh, nope. The battle for New York, the game of the week, as the New York Post put it, W-E-A-K. Great ah, headline. Good one. Giant, Giants and Jets. The Jets win 34-27. to This one game that I watched the least of this week. Yeah, do we have to talk about this? I mean, it um, kind of happened. Saquon had 13 carries for one yard. Le'Veon Bell had 18 for 34 yards, but a big touchdown. I don't know. This one just um, kind of, with the exception of Golden Tate looking really good, which always makes me happy. Um, I don't know. They, it was a Jameson thing. Crowder it was a has, game that has happened. Emerged. Sure. Crowder's emerged as a nice target for the Jets. Cardinals and Buccaneers. Bucks win 30 to 27. Kyler Murray's Cardinals uh, making a valiant effort late, but the Buccaneers hold them off. Uh, two teams, or at least one team in the Buccaneers, that they're a team that just stay away from with your money because mm-hmm. they could beat anyone, they could lose to anyone, and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, domination by Mike Evans was was tempered this week by the Cardinals defense. Instead, it was Christian Kirk getting it done for the Cardinals with three touchdowns for all you fantasy owners out there. But um, yeah, it was a it was a 30 to 27 ball game. I don't that know. Was, that one was on red zone a decent amount, I feel like. Or at least that's, mm-hmm. I remember just kind of keep seeing it. That was for two bad football teams, a pretty decent football game and a fun one to watch. Um, Cliff Kingsbury's doing a pretty darn good job with a, with a roster that just isn't all that good. Totally. And Christian Kirk is really kind of becoming the explosive threat we thought he might be coming out of college. Never really lived up to that with Josh Rosen under center, and I forget mm-hmm. who else before that. Um, because the Cardinals have never had a quarterback really since Kurt Warner. Um, but hats off to Cliff. I think a lot of people were, were scratching their heads with that hire. But he's uh, he's proven to be a pretty smart offensive mind, knows how to run an offense. Uh, a streaky team, nonetheless, after beginning the season with a 27-27 tie against the Lions. Yeah. They lose three, they win three, they lose three. So that means they're in this, line for this three was wins, a, right? This was a big one that they needed to to to, uh, to prove your six win theory wrong about Tyler. <laughs> this one they needed. We shall see. Dolphins and Colts. Dolphins win this one, sixteen to twelve. Two straight wins now for the Fish against uh, a dinged up Indianapolis team that was struggling behind the likes of Brian Hoyer. Um, it seems like you know you lose Andrew Luck. Brissett steps up. You lose Brissett. Hoyer's going to step up. Not so much. Three interceptions. Uh, they're still five and four. They're still in that uh, wild card conversation. Uh, still 
in that division conversation. I mean, there's still a lot of football oh, to play. They're going to be in it till the end just because I feel like them and the Texans are two very similar. Not, I mean, obviously <clears throat> the Texans have Deshaun Watson is very explosive. Quarterback. I feel like they're two very similar teams, similar to like what you said with Tampa, where on a given week, you have no idea what you're going to get from them. They're capable yeah. of beating anybody. They're capable of losing anybody. I think you're just going to kind of see that streakiness throughout the year. I don't know when the Colts and Texans play next. But I hope it's towards the end of the year. Oh, it's actually come up in a couple weeks. So they don't, we don't get a Colts-Texans Week 17 matchup, which is unfortunate. Um, but hats off to the Dolphins, but they, they can't even tank right. Yeah, the, uh, the Colts definitely struggling from the omission of T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack struggling to Yeah, them not being able to run the ball, the ball is very odd because that offensive yeah. line has been so good for, you know, last year and the beginning of this year. It seems like the last couple of weeks is something... I don't know if one of their starters has heard, if we're being totally honest, but it just seems like they haven't been able to to run the ball uh, nearly as efficiently as they had last year and early on this year. Packers and Panthers. The Packers win 24-16, to 16, not without a scare in the snow from the Panthers. Scare in the snow. A goal line stand got it done. The most talented Aaron on the Packers once again taking over Aaron Jones. Good with, uh, That's good. With, with three more touchdowns. You're on, on a roll today. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't like to talk about the Packers. So, this one's yeah. all yours. Um, so, I guess I was at the Blackhawks game when this was on. So, thankfully, I didn't have to watch it. Um, I will say my big takeaway from this game, and I think it was last week too, the white jersey black pants combination for the Panthers is fantastic. I love it. I you like that one? I'm a big fan. Not at home. I like the all whites on the home, or maybe the black jersey at home. I love on the road that white jersey black pants look. Good look. As Steelers. A, 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 the Carolina blue stripe makes it makes it makes the pants pop a little bit. I like it. Steelers and Rams, seventeen to twelve. The Fashion final in this podcast. one. A sputtering Rams offense that just has no answer vertically right now. And when your running back is Todd Gurley with arthritic knees, it's going to be tough to move the ball. It's going to be tough to score points. Jared you ever Goff have arthritis? Out on an island a little bit. Thankfully, no. Knock on wood. Yeah, uh, we stay that way. Yeah, but. Uh, the Steelers now at 5-4, and four, the Rams now at 5-4, and four, a couple of those middling ball clubs with everything in the world to play for still. Yeah, this i, I got to be honest with you, this, this is another one because I was at the Blackhawks game I didn't really get to see. Um, but looking at the stat lines here, it's good for Mason Rudolph. That's after a pretty scary injury and missing a couple weeks, he's come back and hasn't really missed a beat. Sometimes after scary hits like that, guys tend to be a little tentative, not themselves. Uh, he, he's establishing himself as, as the quarterback of the future there, and it's nice to see. And did Jared Goff get pulled? Is that what I saw? Uh, I did not Somebody see Somebody said Blake Bortles if he gotten pulled. Uh, no, no, no. Okay, so here's what happened. I did see that. Goff took a hit Okay. Um, at one point, got pulled out. And like concussion protocol, like we got to look at you type thing? Bortles came. I, don't, I forget what the injury was. If it was leg. I think it was leg or something like that. He ended okay. up being fine and coming back in the game, but... Bortles came in uh, for a play, and then Bortles was out for some reason. And the third stringer, Johnny Hecker, the punter. Yeah, Johnny I'm Hecker. Here he's 0 for one. Johnny Hecker sure. threw an interception. So why was um, was it done a fake punt? It, it might have been. A, I'm trying. I'm having trouble remembering right now. But is either the, a fake punt. I think bonus it was a fire fake cell punt. is the genius on genius card of Sean McVay. We looked. We we've we've said it before on this podcast. Bill Belichick has a way of breaking brains. He does, uh, and that could be it could, that boy could be touched, uh, as geez, they say. That's, that, don't say that. That was weird. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a this is a what I'm kind of scared of the Bears turning into already might have turned into. I don't think they have yet because it hasn't caught up with them. But 
too many big contracts up top make your depth yeah. very depleted, and I'm, I'm afraid that's what's happening to the Rams, and I'm terrified that's what could happen to the Bears. Fingers crossed. It we got a we got a Joe Flacco situation. Think in about LA. it, though. We're probably not going to have to pay a quarterback a ton of money, so we're still going to be able to save that money. Praise Jesus. Vikings and Cowboys, a very entertaining game that saw the Cowboys fall 24 to 28 to the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, who finally gets a primetime victory. Good on you, Kirk Cousins. I hate your face. Can uh, did Delvin Cook, was that last year when he was uh, ACL, or was that two years ago? Two years ago. He was okay. back did, last year, I believe. Did, I don't. I was going to say he should be the comeback player of the year, but I guess he's not a comeback player anymore. He was. He's fantastic. Um, Zeke not being able to run the ball, that Cowboys offensive line, similar to the Colts, we always talk about how good that Cowboys offensive line is. Mm-hmm. Not being able to run the ball with Zeke is is troubling for them. I know Minnesota's defense is good, but you got that line, you got Zeke, you should be able to pick up more than 50 yards on the ground. Um, and on the cow, the, the, the Dak that was with them, it, I like Dak, he's a nice quarterback, a little bit better than the game manager. You shouldn't really, this goes back to not being able to run the ball too. Games where you ask Dak Prescott to throw the ball 50 times, not usually going to go well for you, in my opinion. Calvin Cook tore his ACL October 1st of 2017. Okay, you were right. Congratulations. Uh, but running the ball effectively right now. Back to the bay. Uh, Amari Cooper Amari Cooper with a couple great catches uh, in that game. He's he's a guy who somehow still feels like Did he he's under paid? the radar a little bit. Did he bit. get paid? Uh, he has not gotten okay, paid Okay, so yet, the so. only one who has the extension is Zeke. Correct. Gotcha. Um, so he, or he did get paid. I think I, I think Amari did get paid. Give me two um, seconds here. Amari Cooper. Contract. Search contract. No, I don't think That's he got paid. I don't think he got paid. I don't think he got paid either. No. No, he's, no, he's in the final year of his contract. So, no, he has not yep. been paid. Uh, You're welcome. be hard-pressed to let a guy like that walk. We answer Seahawks, the difficult questions here. Seahawks and 49ers in... Back to the Bay. Arguably what could have been considered the game of the year thus far. Unbelievable. 70 minutes of football. Goes the full 60, tied 24-24. And then it goes the full 10 in overtime with, uh, I believe, James, Jason Myers. Jason Myers, I think Seattle's kicker's name is. Sure. The game winner as time expired uh, with a, a win or a tie on his foot. A little less pressure, I guess. Made it twice. But, uh, made, made it twice, made it, got froze out, and then made it again after that. That building was absolutely rocking last night. Um, it, was, it was a cool one to be in the building for. Uh, a lot of a lot of question marks still remain around the 49ers. Last night, a win would have uh, answered a lot of those questions, would have quelled a lot of that nervousness around mm-hmm. the fan base. But you have a receiving core that, without Emmanuel Sanders, who left the game last night with a rib injury, uh, showed the ability to drop nine balls. Uh, not never going to win. Never going to help your quarterback out that way. Jimmy Garoppolo looked good at moments. Looked like he had happy feet at other moments. Um, it, it, it was surprising to me their inability to rush the football I mean that's it I think if you could take a silver lining out of this if you're the 49ers it was their least effective offensive attack of the season and they still only lose by three points to a really really good Seahawks football team yeah this one for me uh, I mean after watching it watching how great of an overtime it was back and forth a real bold prediction here talk about eight one eight and two teams but this one kind of had the feeling of an NFC Championship type, mm-hmm. you know, vibe to it, type game to it, and I would not be shocked to see a. These guys have played twice. Have they played both their games yet? 
No, no I think uh, they got they finished Seattle coming up. December 29th. Okay, towards so Seattle. One of, the, one of the last weeks. Of I year. believe it is. It's the last last week of the season, December 29th. Would not that shock me if that game's for home, for home field advantage for the division. Would not shock me to see these two teams playing again uh, in an NFC championship matchup. They're, they're both playing really, really good football. Uh, and like you said, for the Niners, I know you want to win the game. I want you know you want to win every game you can. You, know, you go out and play. But looking at the offensive numbers, knowing how ineffective your run game was last night, how you know mm-hmm. you, you mentioned all the drops, the fact that you still you know had the game on your foot, and in overtime against an eight and two football team with Russell Wilson at quarterback, still had a chance to win the ball game should speak volumes. Um, but I'm with you. Not being able to run the ball was a little bit strange because they've been so good at that all year. Uh, maybe the banged up off, off, offensive line is catching up to him a little bit, but for the most mm-hmm. part, that was with, with how good of a run schemer Kyle Shanahan is. Uh, that was a little bit strange to not to not see them be able to get anything going. Uh, for me, still the best defense in the league right now because certainly playing the, like it. The 21 points scored off touchdowns during regulation came on short fields or the fumble scoop and score for six for the Seahawks. So. You got 21 points off of a scoop and score, uh, a fumble, and two interceptions that set up 30-yard fields for the Seahawks offense. They did not go the length of the field until overtime, and they and the Niners even came up with a pick yeah. in that instance what as well. What a bad so throw I think, by Russ. I think like the one mistake he made all night, but that was a bad second throw. interception of the season. Wow. Second interception of the season. Unbelievable. But uh, nonetheless, like you said, I think it's a, a battle that we'll get to see at least once more. Obviously, it's on yeah. the schedule but uh, possibly even more after that. So I'm uh, going to call this one far from settled between these two teams. And unfortunately, match. unfortunately for the 49ers, uh, Chase McLaughlin, who had gotten added to the roster earlier this week, was their kicker. Robbie Gold dealing with a, uh, an inflamed kicking quad. Wrong Chase quad. McLaughlin with a, game on, with a game on his foot in overtime. Hooked one so bad. Heard you caught that up. one. I didn't catch it, but it rolled up the tunnel that I was standing in. So, <laughs> no good. That's that's no good. not what you're looking for because those tunnels are in the corners, right? They are. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's not wide, one of those. It's not one of those behind wide the, the, the goalposts. No. Wide, wide left by a close the close the face on that one. Yeah. It was a, it was a couple feet. We'll give it a couple feet. Well, that's your NFL whip around, Matt. Uh, what do we what do we want to get to here? We're going to jump into a little uh, buyers or no? Let's give some locks. What do you say? Oh yeah, we haven't done that yet. We're both bad at this. That's 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 tease, but we're both bad at giving locks, so probably fade us. But yeah, let's do it. You want to start? Or you want me to start? You start. I always start. Your turn. Okay, Matt. As you mentioned, uh, nobody's really on a heater. Both of us sitting at four and six. Both of us uh, losing last week's game. My heater ends at three. I would uh, like to say for the record that I still think I was on the right side of that bet. Anybody who watched the Ohio Miami Ohio game, I know there's a lot of you. All out there seven of you. Tuesday night. If you're not watching Maxion, then you know get your priorities straight. It's fantastic. It's a lot. Maxion's like a hipster millennial thing. It's not great. It's like I want to be funny and talk about no, this crappy I just, football. I like watch. watching all football, and if there's football on on Tuesday night, that, I'm going to watch it all. The that time. I that I prescribe to. Don't call it good football. It's not. I mean, it's fun. It's, it's good. Good is twenty two people. And helmets no, no, and shoulder pads. It's fun football. Okay. It's fun. I'll give football. you that. It's fun to watch. It's football on a Tuesday night. It's, I don't know, it's, it's cool watching just random schools in the middle of Ohio who have nothing else going for them play football on a Tuesday night. Sue me. Uh, I still think I was on the right side of that. Ohio dominated the game, dominated time of possession. They just couldn't finish. Uh, and, and Miami, Ohio had some big plays and they scored on them. That's all. So it was, it was you know, live by Maxion, die by Maxion. I died give, by it. 
give Trestle the play sheet. Uh, my pick this week is going to be Raiders and Bengals under 49. That number seems I don't inflated. know how that's, that's up there. I really don't. Uh, Matt, can you, can you give the people at home your theory that you gave me during our, our pre-show? Oh, I have a theory. You have, you have a bit of a betting theory I here do about have a betting theory. lines like this. Can I, you, can I you discussed this with one or two enlighten people Enlighten us, please. I think once or twice like a, a year, like a football season, a season you know, per sport, Vegas gives you what's what I like to call a gimme line. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a it's a line they give out for gamblers who are a little bit down on their luck, who, who see a line like, oh man, I love that, I gotta take it. You go ahead and you win it because it is such a gimme line, and it gets you back feeling good, back gambling, back giving them more money instead of taking a break because you're on such a losing streak. They give you that gimme. Just it's like we'll we'll lose the battle here to win the war to get you back in spending more money. I very much subscribe to this theory. I think I've. I mean, I give into it all the time because I do see lines. I'm going to take that line. It's probably going to, you know, they're probably going to combine for about 35 points on Sunday. And I'm going to get feeling good again and think I'm smart and start betting more. And then I'm going to lose. I think that's a thing. I'm not kidding. So so you think that Vegas dangles a carrot out yes. there, uh, let, lets the horse get a nibble, and mm-hmm. then just makes us run yep. uh, for the rest of the season? 100%. All right. Well, it's not the uh, worst theory in the world. I'm going to the salt lick on this one. I like Raiders Bengals under 49. I think I think you're right. I think that might be the the, the gimme. Um, I'm going to take a page out of your playbook here. You and I, when we've been struggling, we we have a theory of just going back to what we know, going back to the the sure things. Mm-hmm. And what you see from the Patriots just about every Sunday is usually a sure thing. You're going to see a team that's going to be in it, chance to win, and, and probably come out on top. I'm going to take the Patriots minus three and a half on the road at Philly. Haven't been that impressed with Philly. Even in that Bears game, they they kind of choked away the second half and almost blew that one. Uh, Patriots coming off the loss to Baltimore, coming off a bye. I like Bill Belichick. I know it's on the road, but just lane three and a half, they just kind of have to win that one. I like it. The hook scares me a little bit. I'll give you that, but I think they win. I like it. I'm going to stay away from it. Uh, Philly at home is scary. That's fair. That, that, uh, that's a team that, you know, they're very volatile and play better at home, but it's still New England, still the Patriots. I'm going to go with them. And Patriots coming off of their first loss of the season, correct? First loss in a bye. First loss, they had, they lost at Baltimore, then they had the bye. Yeah. I think you see a, a motivated Patriots a bye, team, a motivated Bill to, Belichick. Yeah, two terrible weeks to st- Two weeks to stew over a loss and prepare for a team uh, is never good for a Bill Belichick opponent. And you got a terrible secondary in Philly and going up against Tom Brady, so I think that's a recipe for success. You got not a great receiving core that's struggling going up against a really good secondary, really good defense. I'll take the pass. I like it. Matt, let's jump into a little buy or sell here before we say goodbye to the people. Surely. You want me to start or you want to start? You start it off. Okay, I'll start it off. I'm going to go back out to the Bay by you. Uh, Steph Curry a couple weeks ago, right, broke his hand, uh, mm-hmm. so had surgery on it, I believe. They projected out three months. Then there were reports saying could be out for the year. Now today, I believe today, yesterday, he said he plans on playing again this year. Yep. I'm going to ask you with with uh, Clay out, um, with all the injuries they've suffered, buy or sell Steph Curry or uh, turn it into an over under, buy uh, over under half a game played for Steph Curry the rest of the year. Do we see him? in uniform on the court starting game the rest of the season. I'll take an over. I think there'll be a couple weeks there where he comes back just to test it out, get a little in-game action. I, I think they'll be in a situation where um, they could shut him down for the season, but he's a competitor. He's going to want to play. And I think, like I said, more than anything, he's going to want to test that hand out. Um, I think there might be a week stretch, a three-game stretch in there where you could see both Clay 
and Steph, mm-hmm. just to give the people a little something to salivate over. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Steph, definitely more likely than Clay yes. uh, with the situation. But if I'm Bob Myers, if I'm Steve Kerr, if I'm anyone in the front office with the Golden State Warriors, I'm telling Steph Curry, we will see you at training camp next season. Uh, Steph intends to play with the national team still this offseason. He's going to get his reps in. It's not going to be an issue. Defer this year to later on in his career. Everyone has a clock. Mm-hmm. His clock is paused right now, which is a blessing in disguise because this team This is would be a waste right of a year now. for him. You're going to come back next year with Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. If they can't offload D'Angelo Russell, probably still D'Angelo Russell. Uh, Draymond Green's going to be there. He's happy and paid. They're going to go get somebody. If they have a high draft pick, you're going to have a young, talented player. They're going to, it's going to be a reload situation. It's going to be a reset button a la the Spurs in, was that 02, mm-hmm. whatever it was. I think there's just no need. There's just no need to see Steph Curry this year. And yeah. I know it's a new stadium. I know it's a fan base that has grown to expect winning over the last half decade, but put it on pause for a couple seconds. Honestly, I even think a fan base that, you know, what they've grown to expect might see the writing on the wall and, and kind of know that as much they'd like to watch him play, this is a wasted year for the most part. Him playing this year is fairly irrelevant. And yeah, you want to save, he's what, 32 now? You mm-hmm. want to kind of save as many bullets as you can, and this is a way to do that, whether or not that means... You know, if he insists letting him play, you know, four or five games at the end of the year just to kind of get his feet wet back under him, fine. But I don't think you're going to see him playing meaningful basketball before, you know, April, if that makes sense. I, I, I'm not sure. We're gonna, I w- I'm with you. I would go the route of saying we'll see in training camp you're not playing the rest of the year. But if he insists on it, you know, you got to let him, I guess, come back. I insist, Matt, buy or sell. Lamar Jackson has overtaken Michael Vick for the most spelled binding season dual threat quarterback that we've seen in the history of this game. I know the comparisons are starting to be made. I know it looks a little bit different, but buy or sell, uh, when it's all said and done, Lamar Jackson will overtake Mike Vick for the crowd or for the, for the public notion of most talented dual threat quarterback to ever do it. He's on the path, Mm -hmm. but he's not there yet. So is the question, will he, or is the question, has he? Has he? Okay, I would say no. I'm going to sell that he has Will already. He? Uh, I think he's got a very good chance. Okay. He, uh, it, but the thing with Vic was like, obviously he had the, the couple year stint where he uh, had the legal issues, um, mm-hmm. but he came like he was electric for so long and was able to do it almost towards the end of his career. You know, those times in Philly, obviously he always had his legs, but he was kind of able to transform himself into more of a pocket guy that you know used his legs when he had to. And I think we'll kind of see if Lamar has that capability more towards the end of the, and towards the end of his career, or, you know, in the next few years once he's, you know, taken his hits and maybe slows down a little bit. But absolutely, right now he's on that path. Um, I'd also like to see him do it in the playoffs because some of Michael Vick's best memories, moments, whatever, you know, came on that. It came in the playoffs, going into Green Bay and winning. I think that Vikings run was in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, too. Um, so I, I would like to see what he can do in the playoffs. He had one chance at it last year. Didn't look great, but he's also been a completely different quarterback this year than last year. Uh, Lamar Jackson currently sporting a 65.9 completion percentage. Definitely uh, lower than, than you'd like uh, when you're talking about a dual threat quarterback. Mm-hmm. The ability to throw the ball becomes very, very important or else you become one-dimensional very quickly. We saw that happen with Vic, who only had a completion percentage above 60% twice in his career. So I'd agree with your sentiment that right now, sell it in the future, buy it. Yeah, I think that's like a, 
it's like a whole let's talk and let's talk in five years kind of type thing when we're yeah. on Moose and Runes episode uh, seven hundred forty-two. Love it. Is that gonna? Is that no? It's probably not enough. That's probably no. It's probably too many for five years. Like <laughs> four hundred something. Um, math has never been my thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get some calculators out. I'll get you the get you the response. I'm gonna move on though. I'm talking myself in circles here. Um, after that LSU Alabama game, we're gonna we're gonna go back to that game because it was so much fun. Some LSU players went down to the uh, the section of the field where the Bama recruits were sitting. Started saying, "Hey guys, you know." keep it clean here for the most part don't come to bama come play with us you saw what happened all that type of stuff i thought it was fun i'm gonna ask you you said they apparently might be getting looked into by the ncaa for recruiting violations which is hysterical yeah Um, because the ncaa stinks buy or sell the pettiness there from the lsu players i thought i loved it i thought it was a lot of fun i buy it it only deepens the rivalry it only makes them bigger adversaries it only adds a storyline uh, i love it it's it's celebration it, it's it's kids taking over a moment it's it's everything that college football shouldn't be and should be at mm-hmm. the same time like uh, this 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 idea of handshakes after the game and we're all buddies it's it's good it's sportsmanship but at the same time i want adversaries i want rivalries and these things only deepen those rivalries they only create more space between these two teams. Tuscaloosa and, and uh, Baton Rouge aren't all that far away from each mm-hmm. other, but they're worlds apart after things like this happen. We, we talked uh, about, or you talked about, you know, you love rivalries and all that, in which obviously college rivalries, college football rivalries are, are the best rivalries in all of sports, in my opinion, when they're done right. But you know, going into this game, you can see the old saying is it's not a rivalry if it's one-sided. Well, Alabama had won, you know, what was it, nine in a row. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, I think the one thing over the last few years, obviously LSU Bama week was always big, but we never really thought LSU had much of a chance. And I think what this did is bring a little bit of hatred back into the rivalry. There was a little bit too much respect going on. I, I, I know that sounds weird, but there was a little bit too much. Yeah. You know, they're really good and we're going to try and beat them type stuff going on. And obviously Bama doesn't really sink to anything other than, you know, Saban saying we respect them. They're a great opponent. You know, we're going to try and play our best, whatever, but this might bring a little bit of hatred back into it. Uh, Coach Coach O's Coach O doing that I'm not sure Nick Saban really even cares Because he knows that stuff that probably goes on to the locker room He's probably said similar stuff before But it's stuff that adds more fuel to the fire And I think that's the one thing You could say this Was keeping this rivalry from being the best in college football And he might have it back a little bit A little bit of that hatred A little bit of that uh, disdain for the opponent uh, Matt, going to move on here. Uh, back to the NBA for just a moment. The life of an Oops. NBA superstar, the life of an, any NBA player for that matter, uh, is glitz and glamour, but at the same time, it's flights and lack of sleep. ESPN mm. did a write-up about sleep deprivation in Love the NBA sleep. and how uh, these sorts of uh, issues uh, are, cre- are they're starting to create long-term effects on players that are in their 50s and 60s and 70s now and that the travel and the schedule is not sustainable for NBA players. Buy or sell that this is an actual issue? I have to sell. Or is this just the softening of the generation? This is this is honestly just reaching. This is grasping for straws for something. I don't really know why each sport seems to feel the need to have some controversy about you know player obviously that you cte is more than a controversy it's real and you know those are issues the nfl and hockey to an extent have to tackle this is not 
you sleep on planes, you sleep in beds. And when you get to hotels, like coaches are good about canceling shoot around, canceling practice. If you, you know, get in on a flight late, whatever it's not it, just cause they're sleeping at odd hours. doesn't mean these guys aren't getting sleep. It seems like it's a little bit of a stretch for me. And honestly, in the era of load management, like, I don't know. It feels like they're being safer with players than they ever have. And I just, I think this is a I whole totally bunch agree. of grasping at nothing. The league, the league has done away with three games and four nights. Yeah. You only play so many back-to-backs. There is a lot of air tra- travel, excuse me. And same thing being in at hockey. 30, it's the same thing in baseball. It's the same thing if you're a salesman. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's part of your job. And I agree that it's, it's nonsensical to think that changes need to be made. These guys no. are pampered. These guys make hundreds of millions of dollars. Not to say that that should put their health at risk or, or not to say that that is some sort of consolation for a health issue that they may have in the future, but take care of your body, put the right things into it, go to the right trainers, get all the physical therapy, get all the massages, do everything that's that's at your fingertips and you're going to be healthier than me and you come uh, 50, 60. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty healthy. And I am um, a specimen too, so I don't know why yeah. I said that. Yeah, the mono is pretty much gone, so I'm good now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do who want to do, ask you. Who do you know is, could tackle mono in six days? Not me. Uh, not, not Sam Darnold. Not Sam Matt Darnold. Rooney can't. I should be the quarterback of the Jets then by the transitive property. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you, because this is an article I think I saw somebody in the, one of the Hawks writers might either you know wrote or talked about the idea of the NBA and the NHL taking on not exactly the same, but similar to a baseball type series schedule to limit, to, you know, essentially limit travel on players, but also, you know, in in the terms of, you know, the environment wise, you know, you're, you're flying less that way. You're you're doing positive, you're doing right by the environment and all that. I thought that was a really interesting idea. And I also think that could help breed rivalries a little bit. Like if, you know, the Blackhawks are in Colorado, a team you know, in their division that they don't have that big of a rivalry. And, you know, they, they win one night and, you know, it comes back. You know, they have two in a row in Colorado. You know, something happens one night. It helps breed rivalry, I think, and help I, be good on, you know, two. I'm not saying you'll play three or four in a row. No, but I'd, but I'd love back to, to back. see that. I'd Tuesday, love to Wednesday see in Colorado, you come home, you got two versus, you know, someone in your division, someone in the West, something like that. I'd love to see the league put something in place like that just to see how they'd make sense of it all. I mean, mm-hmm. scheduling is very difficult, but it reminds me of the old home and homes in the NHL. Yeah. I know it's, it predates us, but original six, you Hawks would play Detroit in Detroit and come back the next night and play them in Chicago. And yeah. um, obviously, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about playing on the same sheet. It, it or would playing be on the same court. It'd be but, tough to do outside of your division. But you could absolutely, I feel like, accomplish that with your divisional games where you, you know, whenever you're playing a divisional game, you're playing two and three nights in the same building or two in a I row think, in the same building. I think that'd be an interesting I, way to tackle it. I think you almost treat it like old school interleague play where four different weeks out of the NBA and NHL season, it's division week. And you're going somewhere to play a team three times or I going somewhere that. to play a team two times. Then you travel, go to the other city and play two more times or something like down, that. I'd I think be that'd be that. an I think that'd be an interesting makeup. Just smack it in the middle of the season so people can't complain about it affecting playoffs mm-hmm. and this and that. And I think that that would be a, a really cool thing to see. Plus, honestly, the, the only reason the NHL went to their current playoff format, the one they've had, you know, it's the last few years now where you play like, you know, your division in the first round, two rounds and then you can, it's basically divisional playoffs for the first two rounds and then you can play in a someone from the other division of the conference finals because they wanted to breed division rivalries. I think the old playoff system is better. You can do this. This helps breed rivalries within the division. And then you just go back to the old playoff format, which was a lot better, which is just the one through eight seed and you match up however you match up. 
Look at us solving the world problems Let's here, man. Get me, get me Batman on the phone. Let's talk. Get him. You get, get, him get silver. I get, get Batman. Him silver. We have a four-way conference call. We post it as our podcast next week. Who says? And no? we ask for one hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's all. It's not. They got that's a drop in the bucket for both leagues. You can buy a fifty <laughs> mil a guy. That's nothing. They make that in the weekend. <laughs> Matt, before we say goodbye to the people, you got anything? Uh, one more. I'm uh, not one more time. We're gonna do it every week until December sixth. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna tell you go to go to wishfest.com com org dot org wish forever org. dot org or wish forever dot com buy your wish fest tickets friday december 6th andy grammar uh walker hayes the headliner i didn't know how many songs by andy grammar i knew until yeah, i think i was one of those guys where you've heard them all yeah like you don't know who it is I, honestly, yeah. I was talking with uh our, our good friend from wesleyan colleen mcmahon i was like hey like i'm excited like obviously the, the acts are always good but like do I know any songs by andy grammar and she likes we started put she put on like andy grammar pandora and really it's like oh that's him like, yeah, it's like, just, oh, that's my that's yeah. my ringtone. Yeah. Oh man, he's been he's been singing. He's been waking me up with his you know my, my ringtone every morning for the. Well, it's not, but uh, he, he's there are a lot more songs in there than I thought I knew. Uh, <laughs> that sounded weird. Uh, I just love a, I love a good not joke to end the podcast. Yeah, yeah that's good stuff. Um, but no, he, it's going to be a fun time, regardless, regardless. Excuse me of who's performing. Uh, you know, six hours of open bar and free food for only 120 bucks. Like it's, that's a steal of a deal. No matter Can't where you're going, you, you go out on a Friday night for six hours. You're spending more than 120 dollars. I so spent a buck twenty. I'd spend a buck twenty just to be in the company that's going to be in that room. No so, doubt. So me, spend 120 dollars. Yes. Yeah, you're a part of it. Okay, you're a part of it. I'll you know I'll take that. Joe would pay 120 dollars <laughs> to spend time with me. That's cool. Um, but yeah, get, get, I'm that's borderlining something weird there. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, (laughs) bottom line here, people get to the website, buy some tickets. If you can't make it, maybe throw them a nice little donation, maybe bid on a silent auction item, which you might be able to do online. I don't really know. Might've just made that up, but it's worth a try, worth a look, make a donation, great cause, great people, uh, great time. So let's do it. Get out to Wishfest, and, uh, I'll see you there. We hope to see Joe there. It's a coin flip at this point, but maybe, maybe there's a chance we'll see. Yeah. It's a coin flip at this point, and I think that now is a perfect time to explain why it is a coin flip. Um, I'm in the next few weeks here embarking on another move across the country. Uh, got, a, got a job out east, so uh, December, uh, first week in December, dates are still up in the air, hence mm-hmm. why it's a coin flip. Uh, first week in December, I'll be moving to Stamford, Connecticut to uh, – take a studio anchor job with CBS Sports HQ, which Moving is on up. CBS Sports' uh, national east side. digital arm, quite literally to the east yeah, side. that's uh, why I said so that. So we'll be 24 hours on cbssports.com slash live or CBS Sports HQ. You download the app on your phone, on your Roku, on your Apple, on all your devices. So get those downloads done now because somewhere around the second week in December, the kid's going uh, to be on air for CBS Sports see HQ. You're so. Uh, going to be weird. Going to be about forty-five minutes out of New York City. Uh, quick train ride. So if anyone's ever in the Eastern Corridor, hit the bo- hit the kid up. You want to uh, hang out in New York? We'll hang out in New York. No doubt. Like, we'll go to, maybe like go to the a, Garden. Yeah. See a, uh, see a Rangers or a Knicks game, something like that. We'll, we'll jump on the ferry, play Bethpage Black. Oh, yeah, it's, no it's all the world's yeah. the world's our oyster. We man. can make a nice um, little weekend out of that. 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make Cousins Golf Week out of the West Coast anymore. But if well, you'll get you'll still get you'll still get the invite. How about that? I'll get well, well, like it's, it's the, not, the it's Pinehurst not always, the Pinehurst invite probably becomes a little bit more uh, feasible. I don't know. You know, that's that's kind of these are all the, these are all details we'll go over. The, but, the Pinehurst uh, the Pinehurst invites more up to the uh, the, the big man, not really me. That's that's kind of <laughs> if we're going to Pinehurst, it's not by ourselves. Um, I know I know TJR listens. The, the, he does, and he would probably agree with me. Um, uh, Eastern Time Zone now, TJR, hook it up. The, the West Coast trip might not be West Coast this year. We, we, we got some options <laughs> where we're talking all over the country. So if we're in your neighborhood, that would be nice. But no, yeah. uh, if we're in your neck of the woods, we're in your neck of the woods. If not, then you'll still get an invite out of courtesy because you've been on it once. Yeah, nothing but good things to say about uh, Northern California here. So if anyone's ever coming out to the area and has questions, I'm, I'm happy to help in any way I can. And if we do have any listeners, which I'm sure we do, uh, have some Sacramento listeners out here. Thank you for uh, making this place again feel uh i i hesitate to say feel like home because nothing's like home chicago's always home but uh feel comfortable in, in times of transition and it's been a great place to continue to further my career and uh looking forward to the next step so thank you guys uh for all of your thoughts i know some people have reached out already but uh yeah exciting times but uh hope to see everyone at wish fest and if i can't be there i'm, I'm no doubt gonna make my donation and, and try and get my hands on some of those silent auction uh uh, items. So first, um, a we, ro- round of applause for Joe, everybody. No, clap, never, clap in your car. Clap in your car. Never, wherever uh, you are, if you're at work, never whatever, necessary. I don't do it for the applause. I do it for the money. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> that's a fair point. Uh, secondly, important question: How proud of you are you of me for keeping that secret? Because I knew that for a little while now, and I I locked it down. Nobody knew. I wouldn't tell yeah. anybody. Pretty good, um, huh? Loose, loose lips sink ships, and uh, we we float on, man. We float on. I'm very That's, proud of you. That was very. That was okay. That was cool. That was a good saying. Oh, I like yeah. that. We're gonna we're gonna end it on that. Hey, Matt if you Moody. one more one more thing, if you come on the cousins trip this year, I promise you we will record a podcast that we don't have to be able to take down. Oh, I still want send me that one because I, I'd love to listen to it. So, so the lost tapes. I'll, I'll send I'll moves. send you the lost. Ta- well, we there you know there's the lost episode and then there's also the lost tapes which nobody has heard <laughs> and nobody will hear. Um, I don't even remember what we said in the lost. Moose and Runes episode X. Tell you That's what, if you never it. got to listen to X and, and you're with me in my apartment and I've <laughs> I've had a few. Convince me, might, might, might play the 20 minutes for you. How about that? We most we most definitely need to do that. But uh, for now, uh, Joe Musso saying goodbye for Matt Rooney. Episode 129 in the books. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, Moose and Runes listeners. We can't wait to talk to you. Episode 130 coming at you next week. More football. That'll do it for today. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. We'll see you guys soon. Buy your tickets. Buy them. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.